All right, let's let's get into some introductions, and hopefully the internet sustains itself on all our ends. <laughs> Molly and I are both on our church Wi-Fi right now, which is in a constant state. Not good. Not good. <laughs> wow, I'm so sorry about that. Uh... <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Um, well, uh, my name is John Tabler. I'm the high school director here at Grace Point Church. Um, I've been here full-time staff for three years, and I've been involved in youth ministry for something around 15 years or so. Um, but yeah, we just felt like we really needed to have this conversation. Um, originally, Molly and I were talking it through and figuring out how can we approach this? How can we address this? And in all honesty and just the spirit of, of direct candor, um, we felt like we didn't need two more white people just saying like, well, this is, this is how it is. Um, and so, yeah, we were really, we were really glad um, to be able to get you guys in here and, and have this conversation. We're stoked for it. So whoever wants to introduce themselves next is more than welcome. Okay. Well, awesome. Thank you guys for having me. My name is Kristen. Um, I am a attendee of Grace Covenant Christian Church of the Harvest. Um, that's in San Diego area over by like the 32nd Street base. Um, and I am just a person. I have a, a business. I'm a massage therapist. Um, and that's pretty much, you know, what I do on a regular basis. But um, in my spare time, I like to write and read and, you know, learn a lot more about what's going on. So I'm here today to share, share my thoughts. Awesome. And hello, everyone. My name is Victor Brown. I am a volunteer youth pastor at Grace Covenant Christian Church. Me and Kristen, we go to the same church. Um, I'm also a job developer with uh, a job developer with, it's almost like a job placement, really case manager at Southwestern College uh, in Chula Vista area. Um, I graduated uh, from UCSD and I uh, was uh, on the board for the UCSD Black alumni as well as the Black Student Union while I was in college. Fight for fight against injustice uh, in the past and uh, you know just here to share some some thoughts as well as to encourage and share some, some uh, encouragement as well. Awesome. I'm Molly Morgan. Uh, I'm the junior high director here at Grace Point with John. Building, but we're on separate screens. Um, but I've been here almost a year now, which is crazy. I'm really new, um, but I've been doing youth ministry for a couple of years now. Um, but I think just with this whole conversation, as John was kind of explaining, and I was kind of explaining before you got here, Victor, but um, it just felt like this is really pressing and this is something we really need to to talk about especially with students involved because they're watching us as role models and they're saying hey what are my role models how are they conducting themselves during this time and what are they standing up for what are they being quiet about and so i just really felt like we couldn't post one more thing on our social media if we weren't going to talk about this first so i just i feel like this is really important i'm really looking forward to just learning and listening um, I feel like that's my goal with this conversation. Yeah. So, I mean, let's just get into it. Um, and the questions may sound a little bit formal, but just 
I'm just reading them kind of as they are, as we've kind of put them in. Um, in order to combat racism and ignorance, we know we need to be better about listening. Um, what has been on your heart and mind during these recent events or, or even outside of these recent events? Obviously, this has been an ongoing issue for, I mean, centuries, realistically, if not more, but um, more recently with everything that's going on. Um, so something that's been on my heart a lot was the debate about um, All Lives Matter versus Black Lives Matter. And um, it just, it's kind of hurtful in a way because we all live in the same nation and obviously, well, I don't know as a blanket statement, it's not that um, the Black Lives Movement doesn't believe that all lives matter, it's that Unfortunately, it's um, we're seeing the police brutality at a much higher proportion for us to be such a small portion of the population. Mm -hmm. And so with that being said, it's kind of, uh, it's almost like a second nature almost for us to feel like we have to stand up together and, you know, make our voices heard to say that, our lives should matter as much as those that are also struggling with police brutality, but at lower rates. So, I mean, it is unfortunate that it's happening at such a high rate, but it's almost as if we are taking, you know, everything as it's happening to try to find new methods. We've tried peaceful protesting and we're still having issues and we've tried rioting and we're having issues and now there's looting and you know nothing seems to work and we know that police brutality is an issue across the board it's obviously not just in the black community but we are trying to stand with our community as solidarity for the people that look like us to say that your life does matter and I'm going to try to stand with you to seek justice and seek peace. Yeah, definitely feel what Kristen's saying. Um, the only uh, reason essentially when going after Black Lives Matter is because all lives matter. And when um, Black Lives Matter is to say, hey, right now, just taking some time to focus on this group. If we're trying to uh, address police brutality, Let's, uh, against all groups, whether it's socioeconomic, whether it's the poor, whether it's um, um, different minority groups, if you look at the one that's being affected the most, usually you see it's Black people. If we fight to lift that up, everybody else, if laws get changed to help that community, everybody else gets lifted up at the same time. So Black Lives Matter only because all lives matter. So it's definitely not going against anything. It's saying, hey, you know, we're, we're all together um, in this. And what's really been on my heart um, is uh, just uh, the scripture, Isaiah 117, it says, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the cause of the widow. Um, the portion where it says, learn to do right, seek justice and defend the oppressed. Um, at this time, it's funny, the silence on when if you're in the classroom and the teacher says hey do you want to go outside and nobody says anything um it's it's assumed that okay everybody agrees or supports or is okay with it the same thing with uh injustice 
if someone puts out there that uh, an injustice is okay or we, nothing's done versus an injustice, if nobody does anything, assume that it's approved. Mm. So aside as approval at times, out and actually saying that no, this is not towards a justice versus gives the same results as that um, the injustice is okay, that the injustice isn't important. Um, and I just, John and Molly, and things that have really, the, those that and that are from the dominant culture, which is white America, the majority are outside in oppressed speak to those that are hmm. it's like oh it's black people over there talking about it when a white person says it's like oh you know what this is more than just a black issue you know this is something that's a little bit bigger so i really appreciate that in speaking out and actually saying something we're simply addressing it and one of the biggest things I really think people can do is simply talking about bringing awareness and then bringing action later. I'm, I know we're going to probably talk about that later, but um, just just seeking seeking justice, seeking to do um, to do what is right. Yeah. And then uh, just going back to um, something that I had mentioned earlier about um, the Black Lives Matter movement, um, I did mention that. Um, all lies do matter and brutality um, is an issue across the board. And then I had pulled some statistics from last year um, that I just wanted to share just so that um, it can you know, be understood why it is such a big deal. So in the year 2019, together all this data about police brutality and it was found that only 27 days out of the year was it uh, found that nobody was killed by a police officer. And that's less than an entire month. So that's a pretty crazy to think out of 365 days, there was less than a month where somebody wasn't killed by a police officer. Iteration, um, there's a few more statistics that I want to throw in there. Um, Throughout the year of 2019, police killed 1,099 people, and Black people were 24% of those people killed. And as I mentioned, we're a smaller portion of the population as a total, so we only make up 13% of the population. So that being said, that's why it seems like to us that it's happening at such a drastically high rate because we already have such a low amount of um, account. Uh, we're we're so, so lowly counted in the population, I guess I could say, that for us to be killed at such mass rates, it's just, it is alarming. And that's what the point that we're trying to get across is that it's not that only our lives matter, but it's almost like, I hate, but like you think of endangered species, like, we put so much into preserving the lives of endangered animals and try to make sure they don't go extinct. And it's kind of like we're going to the, into that 
mode with our our race and our community. Mm. So that's why that's a way that I like to think of it of why it matters and try to explain to people that are trying to understand. Yeah, and with the, with Kristen also that um, during some studies also in 2019 they found that Black Americans are 2.5 more. It's 2.5 times more likely than whites to be killed by police. As Kristen mentioned, yes, the number's lower, but if there really was no racism, if there really was no priest brutality, if it really wasn't an issue, you would see that all races would be killed at the same rate. Right. Also, yeah. a long time that uh, Blacks, including people of color, are given harsher prison sentences or more likely to be um, arrested and tried and given longer assistance for the same crime as whites. For example, uh, a crime for, um, uh, a crime for, you know, stealing, uh, uh, stealing from a store or do, stealing gum from a store, a white person might get maybe a warning, but a black person, they, you know, they go to jail for a year, uh, just, just to make it a little bit easier to understand. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's like there definitely is. They're more likely to be picked up on the street, more likely to be pulled over. Uh, DWB, oh, driving while black. You know, it's a different, it's a different concern. It's a different thing. Um, and just to make it, put it out there, um, what's, what's so deep is uh, in the news, constantly this week I kept hearing that um, they, they're talking about protesters and then they're talking about looters. They're saying, oh, today during the day was a peaceful protest. But once the sun got dark, it said uh, multiple across various channels. They said, oh, well, the protesters went home. And then these different group of people came in and started looting. And there's so many different reports of different things going on. But um, there, there is, I just want to say as well, is there, there's the difference. Every single protester is not looting. Every mm -hmm. single protester is not rioting. Um, there are individuals who are... Uh, coming under the the guise of oh this is a protest and now let me try and capitalize off of this this over this weekend in San Diego we saw actually uh, the La Mesa area in Grossmont Walmart was getting looted but there were no protesters <laughs> around at night <laughs> you know it's like are these protesters you know they're not even they have no sign in taking stuff you know. Right. So there's definitely a difference. All protesters are not. And what I would encourage people to is you, especially people of different, uh, if, even if you're white, you're around people calling protesters saying, oh, they're stealing. Oh, they're doing this. How can you friend or your grandma or your aunt or your uncle says something like that, you know, calling it out saying, you know, what? there's a difference, you know, there's people, people who are peacefully protesting, but there are people who are not protesting at all that were just burning things and just going against. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of reports of people in cars going and dropping off bricks across the country and leaving. You know, there's been reports of white supremacists doing different things at events, you know, as well. So there's, uh, well, you know, and not every protester out there comes to, to do things. Right. Yeah, it does seem like there there are a lot of people just like taking advantage of the unrest, and what that's what that seems to be doing for the actual point of all of this is harming, and it's just like that. I don't know. It's just that inherent like selfishness in people where they try to take advantage of things like that. Um, 
that can be really frustrating. Can I, okay, this, this may get cut out, but um, I, I was just thinking through, I think it was yesterday that like, if, if one of my family members was killed in that way, I would all, I would want to see the world burn. Like I would want to see that system completely abolished and taken out by whatever means necessary. And I, and I know that the protesting and the rioting is, is not necessarily the same. Um, but I can't, I can't honestly say that for the people who are doing both that like, I don't get it. Like I, I think, I mean, to some extent I do, like if I was in that position and I saw all of the, all of the peaceful protesting and, and Kaepernick and all these things that were being shut down and being told that's not the right way to do it. Um, I just feel like I would be at that point of like, then what else is there? You know, like even, even historically, we look at the Boston massacre and what happened then that led to this country. Like that was a protest that turned into a riot that turned into a revolution that changed. Um, yeah, I, I have a hard time. I have a hard time condemning some of that stuff because I, I think I would be in a similar position. I feel you. And Martin Luther King himself said that rioting is, you know, the, the language of the unheard. Mm-hmm. He said, and, and what is America not hearing? They're not hearing listening to those that are in those situations. They're not listening that continuing to push off justice is actually denying justice, continue to push off equality and saying, oh, it's not that important right now. We're going to focus on another issue. We're going to focus on something else. We're going to do something else um, instead. We're not going to really talk about it. Oh, we're only going to talk about it when someone dies and it's on television. You know, <laughs> like, like, like that, it, it does cause some people to, you know, go, go and do different things. Um, I know this is also as, uh, you know, Grace Point, thank you so much for doing this with the church. Um, I know we'll probably get into some of the things a little bit later about what we can do. Um, but I do want to encourage everyone, yeah, like whistle. Even with writing, it just it just it just makes the cause look bad and it makes people say, like it makes it easier for people to brush off the actual um purpose. The actual message gets drowned out by it, you know? It, because it's, it's so much easier for somebody who doesn't really care about social justice to hear about the protests and then hear about the riot and say, oh, it's, who cares? They just brush it off. So it's, it, like you said, it's really hard. It's really hard for um, Black communities to feel unheard, but, you know, decide how am I going to continue to do what's right? And that's, it's on us Christians to make sure that we're doing the right thing. Definitely. I think um, it kind of brings to mind the um like the saying of being uh proactive rather than being reactive um which is why so many people in our community are constantly doing activist and social justice work because when you become reactive like john was saying um you kind of are just acting in the moment you're acting in emotions you can't think clearly and you might be tempted to loot while you were setting out to peacefully protest. Those emotions get kind of jargled up and, you know, you aren't thinking clearly. So it is important to pray and um, it's very important to seek 
God's face during this time. Um, I think that it's really also important to acknowledge that we're going through a global pandemic at this time. So it's just really important to be smart. Um, it's, it's a hard time. Uh, there's a lot going on, but I think that um, that's something working to be an ally is while we do appreciate you taking, you know, part in this now is a continuation of it and not only for black lives that matter it's also for any other lives that matter because we're trying to address this as a whole as police brutality so um, there have been times where um, the black lives matter movement has highlighted an issue where there was a white citizen that was also brutally beaten by police and so we want to take that approach as well as making sure that just like we are all citizens and you know we live in this nation together um, that's how we should stand in the body of christ as well we are brothers and sisters through christ so it is important for us to stand in solidarity together but not only react during this time but proactively work on how can we make our voices heard together how can we build and strengthen our community throughout you know years to come because we have come very far but we still have a long way to go if we are still dealing with this today hmm. yeah i like both of you mentioned that 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 this can lead to basically i mean it's it's the rising tides lifts all ships right like if this starts to be better if this starts to be solved we have at, at our church and in our community um, we have a lot of, of white students, but we also have a lot of Asian students um, who have had a lot of their own, their own oppression and understanding. And so I, I want to make sure that, like, even though right now we're focusing in on this, um, this is something that will benefit everybody in the long run, that, that will help to fight a lot of that systematic, you know, those circumstances. And that's so true, too. Um, some San Diegans may know about this more so in the Asian community they may know um, the last few months actually since about I'd say maybe February all the way uh, even now like there was a lot of racist activity and things that were going against the uh, Southeast Asian community especially in Claremont uh, against businesses and um, people you know um, vandalizing or just uh, not even going to businesses because they were afraid of receiving the coronavirus, you know, these, mm -hmm. these false beliefs of, oh, somebody's Asian, I'm going to get the coronavirus from them, which is completely not, not accurate, not true. And just right. a lot of people buying into that different thing because of things that they've heard. So um, even, even standing with, uh, with the Asian community as well, um, that's just a perfect example. Um, in addition to, you know, hey, Black Lives Matter, Asians are going through this, we need to stand with them too as well. Yeah. And a lot of people don't recognize or have forgotten about it, but that's still a real issue affecting businesses today in Claremont Mesa, you know, off convoy. So. That's something I was noticing too at the beginning of all this coronavirus. It was something that I just felt like was so ridiculous and off, but people were making these off color comments of, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to go eat at this restaurant. You know, I'm not going to go hang out with this person. And then you're seeing things where, people are actually brutalizing Asian American people because of some insane connection that just wasn't even there. And so 
I think that all of this is kind of just a rumble that God is allowing. Um, just kind of showing like, this isn't my kingdom. This isn't the way things are meant to be. And so I think there's, I've seen a lot of beautiful uh, posts where Asian Americans are stepping forward and saying, hey, our black brothers and sisters paved the way for us as we've come to America. So we need to stand with them. And so there's just unity forming that I see in a lot of different ways that I just never expected. And I think that's, that's God's work. Yeah. Um, as kind of just a, a matter of perspective for, for us and for our students, um, have y'all, I know we talked a little bit about this, but have you experienced racism directly in your own life? And, and if so, would you feel comfortable describing one or more of those moments? Yeah. Um, so, um, I will share a personal story, but I just also wanted to talk about some generalizations just so that, um, anybody that's watching or tuning into this can kind of see different ways of the formation of racism because a lot of what's happening now is not blatant racism. Um, a lot has transformed into what is now called microaggressions. And so I got a definition. Um, it says that microaggressions are defined as brief and common daily verbal behaviors in environmental communications, whether intentional or unintentional, derogatory or negative messages to a target person because they belong to a stigmatized group. So microaggressions can happen to any type of stigma, uh, stigmatized group, whether it be race or gender or um, even age. Ageism is definitely a thing. But um, since we're talking about this today, some of the common uh, microaggressions that happen are very subtle, but they work on like a psychological level, which is very detrimental for mental health. So I'll give some of those examples. Um, one would be uh, telling someone that is of color that they are articulate. For example, being like, oh, you're so articulate, which insinuates that people of that particular race are usually uh, non-intellectual. Mm -hmm. um, they're, they're not well-spoken. Um, another one would be like, why are you so loud? Which kind of plays into that same type of theme, um, which is basically saying that what you have to say is not that important and that you should assimilate to the dominant culture's behaviorisms. Um, one that I saw um, that also may come off like very minor is um, when I look at you, I don't see color. Mm -hmm. which could sound, you know, great in, in one aspect, but it could also come off as saying that your race doesn't really matter mm -hmm. in a way. Basically saying that, I mean, I, I get the positive intention behind it, saying that, you know, we are all one race and that we should love one another equally. Um, but on the opposite side of that saying, you know, discrediting that person's, you know, what they've gone through, their background and their, you know, the way that they've grown up is to say that that doesn't matter when in fact it does, you know, a lot of cultural 
backgrounds does affect relationships in everyday life, um, which is something very different, but is a, is a, is a point to be made. Um, and then some physical actions that are kind of microaggressions as well um, are probably more common, but if you've seen or heard of someone like clutching their purse a little bit tighter as they see a person of color walking by. Um, and one that kind of bothers me even more than that is if um, you see someone locking their car multiple times, as they see either a group of people of color or just a single person walking by, it just gives off a unnecessary fear. You have no idea who that person is and where they're coming from, what they're doing. They could be going to their very own car at that time. So what gives you the right to judge that person based on a 30 second glance and these things are all processed because you, nothing, nothing has to be said in that moment for them to feel like they are less than in that moment. So those are microaggressions that are kind of um, frustrating and just generalized. But personally, um, one experience that I had, uh, I was our, uh, it was in adulthood, so it wasn't that long ago. But um, I was basically, the short version is, I was used as like the token black person at a business. Um, and for those of you that don't know, I haven't like applied to jobs yet. Um, most jobs are required to have equal opportunity listed as their business practice, which means that they can't uh, discriminate based on your age and gender and you know your background so in order to do so some companies that don't truly practice that will hire someone of a particular race for a certain amount of time to meet a quota hmm. and so that was done and then basically um long story short at the i was kind of fighting to receive health benefits from the company because I had worked there for over a year as a temp. They hired me on officially and then they had their, um, I guess, trial period or I, I can't think of the correct word right now, but they had their, um, their trial period and they just kept extending it. They didn't have any particular reason. They wouldn't give me any like, solid information about you're doing something wrong and in fact they had actually um it was at a call center they had actually put up monitors so that they could you know display the work that was being done i was hitting all the highest numbers hmm. so logically i am a version of logic and you know i completely understand like if i'm doing something wrong you know definitely correct me on that but when you're seeing the facts and then still being um, kind of, it just just feels really bad to be doing all the right things and to still um, not get that, I guess it's, uh, I don't even know what to call it, but uh, I guess acknowledgement is almost what it was, what I was hoping for, that I was, you know, enough for this job. So 
that was my personal experience, but I've also, you know, listed those other things just in case you haven't seen it in your face up, up close and personal. And to go with Kristen, um, um, racism, when we think of racism, a lot of people do think of individual acts of bigotry, but racism is uh, something that is actually pervaded in every portion of our society and the effects linger today. Yes, there may be rules against um, racism, but the effects have still occurred today. Even as Kristen mentioned within the employment sector, they've done some studies uh, even, as, even recently and um, studies show that when uh, you submit a name for an application, like they, they, this company took applications, they put quote unquote white names and they put black names and they put the same, um, the same qualifications and the same type of resume. And they found that those that had white names for the same qualifications were, they would get callbacks. They would get offers for interviews, but when it was a black name, they wouldn't receive it. So black people even have to decide, like, what are we going to name our kid? Right. Like, I can't, I can't even think, you know, from, from the beginning up until all the way through lifetime. Um, also, segregation has ended. But just to put one perspective, if you get a chance, um, research this term is called redlining. Redlining. Mm -hmm. And what redlining is, it was introduced in 1934. And uh, it went so much just introduced but it's it's been it was going on from 1934 to 1968 but it still has real effects so basically one of the biggest ways that people obtain um grow the, their net worth is through um not necessarily through income but through equity uh equity in homes having a home being able to to move forward and what the real estate department did this is during the time of uh segregation what real estate did was they would sell homes to white people. Um, and when a black person moved in the area, they would go to them and say, oh, you know, we'll buy your home from you. We'll move you out because the black people are coming in. Hmm. So we're going to, you know, the, the, what do you call it? The value of your homes are gonna go down. Uh, real estate agents would have maps where they would make the map anywhere where there was a certain percentage of black people or a high percentage, they made them red. And they said that these are not areas to move into. Hmm. Now, though, yes, the, um, it's illegal to do redlining today. The effects still last because of that net worth. If you look around, a lot of black people and a lot of people of color happen to live in certain areas that are the same. If hmm. they live in an area that's poorer um, because um, over, over time, you know, uh, wealth gets passed on through generations simply by being in houses that are wealthier than others. You have access to more resources, access to more opportunities, access to schools. Um, schools are provided for and paid for by the tax dollars in a community. A richer community, a, a, a community in La Jolla is going to have a better, more money going to their school than a community in Logan Heights. Mm. Um, so lack of access to resources, lack of access to opportunities, that literally affects the lives of children. That literally affects the lives of people of color. And people of color happen to continue to live in these areas because of the lack of resources, because as they're growing up, they're having less access to resources of their brothers and sisters who are white, who didn't do anything. They were just born where they were born. Mm -hmm. um, so racism still happens. I mean, it still exists. It's called de jure you know, uh, outside of the law um, today, actually, uh, America's more segregated than it was 
well in the past, you know, mm -hmm. um, and it affects the healthcare system, policing, as we're seeing um, uh, in, in schools and various areas. But uh, so when we think about racism, we have to think about the things that Kristen said, the microaggressions or things that nobody talks about, but also to think about the real effects of racism that have continued to last far beyond the laws that was changed. There's also subprime loans, which we won't get into, <laughs> but um, yeah, ra racism, it, it affects all areas of life and people benefit from it and they don't even realize it. That's when you hear the term white privilege. Right. Um, you know, we see George Floyd was killed um, and for supposedly for doing forgery while the person who did the uh, Charleston massacre went in, shot nine people in a black church. He was taken out, mm -hmm. you know? He, he wasn't brutally beat. He was able to go and make it to his court date, you know? So it's like, why is this black man killed for doing something lesser than someone that was white? He wasn't even armed, but the Charleston person was completely armed. Right. That racism is differently. Um, just an example of racism. I want to, especially since we're talking to students, really want to encourage you, like, when you get to college, if you go to college, as you get older, you're going to see more racism. You're going to see it when you get to college. You're going to see uh, the microaggressions that people were talking about when uh, someone says to somebody, like, oh, why is your hair like that in the dorm room? Hmm. Uh, why? Um, I, I remember being in my freshman year and I was uh, next to, uh, I, I lived in a dorm room next to a, a kid um, who was the son of a cop. And he was saying, you know, all black people, yeah, they're just, they're just rapists. They're just murderers. They're mm -hmm. just, you know, that's just, that's just what they do. Um, I remember being on the college campus and um, they had a television that's paid for by the university, but it's student run. And there was a lot of racism going on in 2010 on our campus where they put a hood on Geisel Library. They had, um, you know, someone had written Compton Cookout and, um, you know, had a party to dress in blackface. Um, wow. and, and black people were saying that, you know, that's not okay to do. But on the student run television that I paid my student fees <laughs> towards, they had students who were saying those black people's calling them words and saying they should have never came out or said anything about that. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, so being attacked by TV I'm paying for on campus, <laughs> uh, as well as a host of other things, you know, going to, going to the taco shop, sitting in the car with my, who's my wife now, uh, when we were in college. And, you know, people yelling out, uh, you know, just the N-word while we're just sitting in a taco stand, just trying to eat. I remember our church was in Sam T. And there are many times where, um, before we moved to Logan Heights, about a larger building, there are many times where people would just drive by and just yell racial slurs at us on Thursday nights at Bible study, you know? So while well, we're just trying to serve the Lord, right. <laughs> we're just trying to get closer to God. But uh, there's so many acts of racism that what we're really trying to fight in the Black Lives Matter and what so many others are trying to push is that acts of bigotry are horrible but the underlying acts of police mm. brutality and other is other other uh, effects of racism is really what we're trying to fight as well yeah i think even even looking at i mean it's been an insane year so far for the country but like even looking at all the protests that were going on to get outside and get a haircut <laughs> you know and you see these pictures of people with eight guns each with only two hands, but eight guns still just on the steps of city hall, screaming at cops and nothing happens. 
Like that's, it's just, it's just insane. But I think I, I really like the point you both made where it's not always the overt big crazy things, because I think a lot of times from an outside perspective, it's easy to think of racism as just, you know, you have your special flags on the back of your car and you're screaming and you're, you know, yelling specifically at people, but it, there's so much more to it than that. There's so much more nuance, I think, that I think is really interesting that you guys pointed out. We appreciate that. Yeah. And even, I'm glad that you brought up the protesting. Like, you know, if, if a black person had a gun and mm-hmm. went to the Capitol, he's probably going to be shot before he gets into the, right. <laughs> he gets to the doors. Right. But white people, you know, it's, it's seen as, okay, they're, they're, they're okay, they're not going to do anything. Um, in San Diego, there was a protest from people who were socially distancing in their cars at a detention center. Excuse me real quick. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Sound people who were uh, socially distancing, protesting at a detention center, asking that uh, because coronavirus was outbreaking in the in the detention center, asking them to let some people go. They got tickets, but when we go to when when there were um, you know protests at downtown, the right downtown San Diego, uh, where people aren't wearing masks where they're just yelling, the police are just sitting around watching. So it, it makes you think like, is it really, you know, was it, was it really the social distancing? Right. Or was it, or was it something else where they were allowed to protest? Um, and simply, I mean, when you look at, of course, people, people of color were treated much harsher for trying to be safer than those that were completely breaking the law, no masks at the time, no doing anything, but with guns and just allowed to do whatever they wanted. So we're really fighting just for equality. We just want to be, we just want to be treated equally. You know, right. we're not asking for privilege. It's, right, it's we're not, not a asking lot. for extra. We just want equality. <laughs> yeah, I think even, and I, to me, like, it's part of why history is so important because it's so easy to see this constant systemic oppression where when you're talking about guns and, and, and all that, like, I think back to the Reagan era, the last time there was, somewhat effective gun control that came out that came as a result of the black Panthers who were buying up guns. And then at that point, the government goes like, Oh, we should do something, you know, like, I think it's so important for us to know like the history of how long this has been going on and how almost consistent it has been in the worst way. So true. So true. And that's one thing that I also encourage people to do is to, if somebody doesn't know about it, to learn to seek out. And that's why I'm so glad that you are doing, both of you are doing this too, because it encourages those who don't know to learn more, to get involved, not just to listen to mom or dad or auntie or uncle that's telling them their views on it, but to actually seek out, you know, what is this issue of police brutality? You know, what is Black Lives Matter? What are they trying to do? Um, what are people protesting? Why is this an issue? You know, um, because truly with knowledge uh, does come power and understanding. And uh, the Bible says that um, our people perish for a lack of knowledge, you know. Uh, so it's, it is really important to, to get the knowledge, to get the understanding um, and also know that um, 
the Bible also does say that without a vision, the people perish. And without a vision that um, a lot of people you might see at this time, a lot of Blacks are trying to organize, they're trying to figure out what can we do, what should we do at this time. So you may see some things that you may disagree with, that you may not like, but at this, that Blacks or Latinos or different minority groups are doing. But even taking in and seeing and acknowledging, even as John said that, that you know, people are having different feelings and they're trying to do what they think is best at this time. I want to go back a little bit, sorry. Um, Kristen, I really appreciated earlier how you talked about different microaggressions and I think that that's been really informative just for me. And I think that in this process, like before I go and wanted to talk to students about it, I'm like, okay, I have to look at myself and I think that's what our role is in this in this white community we need to look in the mirror and say okay racism is running deep and it's very deep and it's been something that's that's gone on for you know hundreds of years and so I love that you talked about those microaggression things because I think it's really easy to sit and to be like I'm not a racist you know because I'm not overtly being racist but you can still make racist like racist comments and even just your thoughts and so it's interesting because if you go back to the bible where Jesus says you know if you've committed these things in your mind, then it's just as bad as doing the actual act. And so I notice these things in myself and I'm like, well, you know, that's ugly. And I need to face that and ask where that came from and acknowledge that, you know, that's, that's not from God. And so I really appreciate that you brought that up because I think if we all want to start working through those things, like we have to know how deep they actually are. It's not just a surface level issue where we can either be like, oh, I am or I'm not there's actually deeper things that we need to look at. So I really appreciate you sharing that. No worries. And then I also wanted to um, bring up another thing that you had mentioned earlier about like our Asian American communities as well. Um, I had literally this morning was um, scrolling through a timeline on Twitter and somebody was sharing like a really beautiful testimony. And of course I got black court because people were kind of responding to it like, oh, like, do you want, you want us to like pat you on the back or something but i still saw like the beauty in it um and it was an asian american um female and she was talking about how um a lot of people in their own culture in their culture don't see themselves as being racist and how it is unfortunate that they don't think that way because it's kind of a part of their culture and how they are raised to, um, like I mentioned, clutch their bags when black people are around or um, only um, truly acknowledge white people that are well-dressed or have their hair um, nicely, neatly done or get good grades in school. Like those would be the only people they would be allowed to be friends. And so I wanted to kind of highlight these things that she, she went through like a long list of things. And then she realized um, as she went to college, she kind of got a relearning type of process. So um, although um, Youth Pastor Victor was talking about like that is a time where you'll see more racism and you'll be um, more openly exposed to it, I think it's also a really good opportunity to use to be able to learn how to connect better and how to form your own opinions and ideas and who you want to be as a person. Um, and you can definitely start now. That is definitely something we want to encourage you guys to do. Um, but that is a time where you can learn more because um, if you haven't been told a lot of the black history 
only focuses on slavery when there's so much more to our mm -hmm. history and that's something that John talked about as well. There's so many things that have happened over the years, but we only focus on this one thing when you're in middle school and high school. And so that being said, you're, you are exposed to a lot more when you are uh, entering adulthood and go to college. So definitely want to encourage that opportunity to learn more. Um, and it will also allow you the opportunity to if you're in an area where you are like in a deeply condensed area where there aren't very many people of color you'll be exposed to more people um, and you'll start to learn that no matter the color of the person there are people of different colors and that look different from you that have the same ideas and share the same interests and it really doesn't take much to kind of find that connection, but you have to be willing and open to those things. So want to kind of like shed light on, on a dark situation. There are definitely um, good things that are coming about from this and definitely want to appreciate and um, uh, thank all of our allies that are taking the time to try to figure out what it is to do. Um, but then on the flip side of that, it has to, also be followed up with action. So um, one of the questions that I know you guys had mentioned um, on the questions, it was like, what can people do? I think it kind of goes depending on the person. Um, and so you have to think about who you want to be your friend, um, the people that you want around you. And you know, they, the saying is birds of a feather flock together if you see these actions being done and you don't speak up on them, do you want to call these people your friends? And then if you have friends that are being oppressed, what is it that they need? You actually physically have to ask them what they need because for everyone, it can be different. Um, I shared with John before we really started that I was having a rough day today, um, really rough day. And usually I'm not the kind of person that likes to be encouraged and, you know, I don't, like that kind of thing. I don't want you to be like, oh, well, just give it up to God. Like that is usually like, okay, no, like that's just kind of like cookie cutter. Like you're just throwing, you know, throwing some sugar or throwing a bandaid on a, on a deep cut. Um, usually I'm the kind of person where I want you to make me laugh to completely take my mind off of something. But I ended up speaking to somebody that was encouraging and uplifting and very godly and it completely changed my mood. I honestly was not going to even get on this call earlier because I was like curled up in, in a ball on my bed and just like crying about different racial injustices that were going on and how I don't feel safe and I'm just trying to go to Chick-fil-A but if I go to Santee I might get shot and approached by somebody and it just like these are things that are happening in my day-to-day -day life. So on the outside of things, we definitely want to appreciate everyone that is trying to support and uplift us. And um, we just want to also make sure that those words are followed up with actions as well. So um, just wanna throw that out there. Yeah, totally. Um, how are you guys doing on time? I am okay. Okay. I'm okay. Okay. Then let's get into, yeah, some action topics and then we can kind of wrap it up from there, at least for now.
we may want to get back more into this later. But um, so you touched on Kristen a little bit on what we can be doing as individuals, um, as allies, especially of just checking in on individuals as individuals, um, which I think is huge. Um, but what else, what else can that response look like in a, in a responsible way? Definitely. And may I ask, is this a, a I think, um, I'll just go ahead. I'll just go ahead and answer. <laughs> yeah, I can answer. I'm just making sure that, uh, again, this is, this is Grace Point Church, so I can, I can be real right. about the Christian response as well. <laughs> yeah, the only, um, the only issue, the only issue we can't really get specific about is the, the politics side. Exactly. Because we don't want to get in, you know. Yeah. For a second, I was thinking, uh, I, I reverted back to if I was in a, uh, so I can talk about Jesus a little more. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's all good. Absolutely. All right. Uh, what I wanted to suggest as an ally, um, what there's a couple of things that I think uh, individuals can do. Uh, one, pray. One, pray and um, pray for those that are hurting. Pray for those. And even when you're not necessarily sure what to do, just pray. Pray and ask God, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? at least opening the opportunity for God to let you know if there's anything else that he wants you to do at that time. Um, and then after praying, some of you might, God might drop an idea of something to do in your head. Uh, some uh, individuals might be praying and then loiter through the day or throughout. So the Lord might let you know, but pray and say, God, what do you, what can I do? I definitely want to encourage pray, educate, and then stand up against injustice. So um, after praying, um, in order to educate others, you got to learn for yourself. So pray, learn, recognize what the situation is really about. It's really about equality, fighting for the same thing for ages. We're just seeking equality. Um, learn about what's going on and then how you can educate others. And how to educate is just talking about it, bringing up awareness. This is an opportunity to speak to family members or friends about this. A lot of us have social media pages. There's a lot of different posts that um, that individuals can share. I saw this. I saw the uh, uh, a post a uh, couple of days ago, and I can even share it. I can send it to you all as well. It mm -hmm. says, "I'm not black, but I see you. I'm not black, but I hear you. I'm not black, but I mourn with you. And I'm not black, but I'll fight for you." Um, just there's different solidarity posts. You can Google hashtag solidarity posts, <laughs> you'll see different things. But uh, just just showing and speaking up against it, uh, because um, there's a quote that Martin Luther King says, that we won't remember the, the words of the oppressor, but we will remember the silence of our friends. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll, it speaks, speaks volumes when somebody that can help or that can be there decides to do nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and silence continues to perpetuate injustice and racism at the same time. Because silence says that everything's okay when it's really not okay all the time. So uh, praying, learning about what's happening, educating others and educating others simply also means even as Molly mentioned, just, just speaking up. Speaking up when you're in situations where friends and other people are saying something racist. Uh, or they're saying something that doesn't sit well with you. Just speaking up for it as well and yes that takes a lot of strength because these are your friends these are your family members these are people that you're not trying to get on their case 
but you're just trying to call out and say, hey, you know, no, that's that's not really real, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, there's for most of the students aren't voters yet, <laughs> but but uh, there's things that individuals can do, such as like um, for those that have the right to vote, working to uh, uh, voting and working to help those that have similar beliefs as you to move into office that are fighting for justice. Mm-hmm. Um, there's ways that people can uh, be a part or donating, even if it's just a dollar or $5. There's the NAACP going on their website. Um, there's various other uh, groups of color um, as well. And then with something that everybody can do, no matter what your age, you can write to your uh, to your police chief, no matter where you are, you can send messages, even tweets. Uh, a lot of these groups have Twitter accounts or or have Facebook accounts and actually Instagram accounts too. Mm-hmm. So you can say, hey, you know, we should make some changes. I'm telling you, I used to work for an elected official's office. Um, there are like those things are recorded and they get to the elected officials so that they can go and make laws and make changes to stop these certain things. The San Diego police chief yesterday um, got rid of, I'm saying around the court, cartoid um, uh, way, it's, it's, a, it's a way that almost like a chokehold mm-hmm. that was used against George uh, Floyd and others is getting rid of certain things. And how'd that come out? Because people were talking about it. People right. were saying this is not. Mm-hmm. And then I just, so, so praying, uh, learning, educating, um, making, Googling and supporting those different um, people of color websites. And also, I just want to encourage individuals like, one of the biggest, the strongest, I mentioned this at at the front, one of the biggest, most strongest things that helped end slavery, that helped end segregation, and that continues to end oppression, is the allyship of white people. Mm -hmm. Like, slavery didn't become a big issue until white people started talking about it. Segregation didn't end until they saw uh, white people out there that were getting hurt for protesting. Mm. When America saw white people that were standing alongside black people, that's when they realized that this wasn't just a black issue, that this is actually a real issue. So if you are not black, your allyship speaks volumes, like literally just saying something, being there uh, at certain events or different things. Um, now, we're not telling you to go to every single protest. That's a whole nother thing. You got to research some things. There's a lot within that. Definitely connect with somebody who is skilled in that before going so that they can help you. But um, just your presence speaks volumes. It really speaks volumes. And then on the other side of that, is there anything that we, and we can kind of maybe wrap up with this for the day. Um, is there anything outside of those things that we, as the church, whether that's the big C church overall, or even just us at Grace Point church, um, can be doing? Um, I think that one of the uh, the first point that was made about listening is very important. Um, even when you do take the time to reach out to someone to check on them, um, 
you have to go with a heart of understanding because depending on where they are, um, like I was explaining about my state earlier this morning, they might not be in a place to receive encouragement from you. They may just be in a place to just vent. Mm. They may just be in a place where they are going to gripe and complain about what's going on and they don't, they're not ready to hear from somebody that's not going through it, what their ideas are and how they think they can solve it. Um, so um, I had a scripture that I wanted to share, um, which is Matthew 7, 6, which um, in the New International Version says, do not give to dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. And my interpretation of that with this situation is um, kind of going into the social media aspect of the keyboard warriors going back and forth and arguing and who's right and who's wrong and pointing the finger. And it really doesn't do much if that person is focused on uh, misunderstanding you. They're going, you know, they're coming at it from their aspect of I just want to say what I want to say, and I don't want to face any consequences of it. That's all that's going to happen. So um, if you are coming with a heart of understanding, I think, one, you'll get a better um, look and understanding and more empathy towards the situation in general. And at a later time, you might be able to come back to that person. You might be able to pray with that person, and you might be able to strategize with that person becoming an actual ally on what ways do you think that you can help the situation um, if that involves you going with that person to a, pro a protest and you know also saying like hey if you're at the point with that person where you're willing to fight for them i saw a video today where there was uh, a black male and a white female and she uh, well the post it, describes it as she used her white privilege to protect his life because as he was following all the um there were police troopers um surrounding him as uh he was following their directions he got on his knees he raised his hands they were still trying to physically approach him and she put her body in front of him and they did nothing to her and mm. it ended up saving his life where um that's an extreme case but you know, as an ally, you have to figure out what it is that that person needs from you to continue that friendship, to continue supporting that person. Um, but if that person is not there, you can't, you have to meet them at that same place. So if that person is not there, it's just really going to be wasted on dead ears and not open hearts. So I think that's really important. Yeah, to go along with Kristen saying, like, know that a lot of Black people and people of color are under a lot of stress at this time. Um, and they may not even be acting the same. You know, everybody deals differently with what's going on. Um, it, uh, I would uh, say for, for the church, as Kristen had mentioned, so important, especially if you have friends of color, um, just saying uh, three simple sentences, even if it's a text, you know, I'm sorry for what's going on. I wish I could do something and I'm here for you. If you even send that in a text message to your people, of your friends of color say, hey, I'm sorry for what's going on. You're recognizing the situation. I wish I could do something. 
allows you to let them know you're giving them the opportunity to let to tell you it could be something they need it could be something that they might even as Kristen said like even somebody saying hey can you go somewhere can you be with me at this time um and saying that you're here i'm here for you lets that person know that you are willing um to hear from them that they can come to you if they need to talk that you are providing a safe space for that person to talk because you're here for them. Mm. Um, so like for the church, um, definitely recognizing the oppressed at this time. Um, you don't have to have an answer before recognizing the oppression that's going on. You don't have to have it all figured out because if we all had it figured out, <laughs> the situation would be right. over with. <laughs> Every, it wouldn't be an issue if everything was figured out. So that doesn't, that means that you don't have to have it figured out. Mm -hmm. You can have your own feelings of, I don't know what to do, or goodness, this is horrible. And, and just reaching out. And then I think it's important for the church to do things that you're doing right now. Acknowledging it, speaking about it, um, letting people know that, uh, you know, this is going on and that Christ loves us, that he cares for us, that he cares for the oppressed and uh, pointing people to different things that uh, they can do, such as reaching out, showing love, such as uh, not speaking uh, negatively of those who are fighting for injustice, um, and uh, just uh, really showing love. Because ultimately, people have to get Jesus. We've got to get them to Jesus. And this literally, this opportunity of oppression can literally bring someone to Christ. You know, there's so many people that are talking to people that they would have never talked to on it. I'm getting texts from people that are not black, uh, that are of uh, Caucasian descent, that are reaching out to me, people who are saved and unsaved, and is giving me opportunities to mm. preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Mm. So one thing that the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, is that God works all things to the good of them that love God and are called according to our purpose, his purpose. And if we are Christian and we are called according to God's purpose and we love the Lord, if we love the Lord, he will make opportunities for us to share the gospel of Jesus, which he wants us to do, but also to benefit from this. I will never forget when I was at UCSD, there were a, during 2010, it was like this time. It was just horrible things. Week after week after week, something racist was happening on our campus. And we were fighting, we were protesting um, to make change. and then. After all that happened, complete changes on campus. Like things were put in, departments were made. Um, there were a lot of great things that came from that and rules that were made on our campus. But sometimes things have to get the worst so that they can get better. Like it, it's horrible for the, those that are oppressed. It's like, black people, why, why we gotta go through this again, you know? But if this hadn't happened, so many police departments would ha have changed the, uh, certain procedures being uh, being stopped from going on to save lives that are going to come down the line that would have used those type of tactics to hurt. There's so many people that, um, you know, that see this horrible video of literally we are showing a man dying on television. Every time we show that clip, we are literally showing a man dying. Mm -hmm. That people see this and are actually making changes on and actually doing different things. So I'm optimistic. I'm hopeful through this as I'm hurting. You know, I'm hurting, but I'm hopeful. And I would encourage the church to recognize those that are being oppressed, those that are um, going through, uh, to acknowledge that, 
to give a loving hand and loving ear towards it and also recognize like say god what do you want me to do because the lord will help there's there's the lord will let us know what he wants us to do and literally somebody in a church that is white can literally god could place on their heart something to do that will change history and change the future for so many others that are to come after them. But we have to be willing and open to ask God what he wants us to do. Sorry, guys. I had one more thing. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Completely I mean, forgot about day. this. I've got all day. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, so, I want to address the caring situation. Okay. Um, well, we've got Talk about the microaggression, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's my mom's a Karen. (laughs) So if you're not familiar, um, Karen was a created term for a woman that is not of color that uses her privilege to um, microaggressively or uh, what's another word I could use? Um, Oh, gosh. Now I can't think. Oh, oh, oh. Passive aggressively, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, Passive aggressively um, cause harm to someone of color by calling the police and specifically stating their race in their police report, which as we are dealing with police brutality, you can see that that can literally be life-threatening. So it's not to say you should not report crimes, but if someone's not threatening your life, I think it's very important to not uh, lie, one, and to also um, not uh, create a situation that is more hostile than it needs to be. Definitely, you know, there are um, non-emergent police lines that you are able to call when you are seeing a crime and you need to commit it, but really taking the time to also do some self-reflection to realize whether or not your life is actually in danger or if you are just upset and using that privilege to escalate a situation past where it needs to go. Um, and so I did want to address that because I know it's kind of, it's, part, it's partially a joke and I know that um, a lot of people have been offended by that and there was a crazy, um, uh, crazy uh, analogy to saying that Karen is just as bad as the N-word, which is absurd. But um, I, I, it can still be offensive. So I wanted to address that. And it, it, it is a joking way to address what's going on. But people are being affected by these non-emergent police calls. And people are also affected by being called something other than their actual name. So I um, want to bring light to that and end with the scripture. Um, Matthew 5 9 it just says blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God and that is something that I mentioned earlier we are all brothers and sisters in Christ that is our goal that we want to be considered children of God and so with that being said we should be spreading peace and uh, sharing love with one another rather than spreading hate definitely yeah thanks for that really good cool well before as we wrap up you guys have any other thoughts or anything else you'd want to give us i am dead (laughs) hearts and minds are clear Mm -hmm. i didn't want to i didn't want to be such a downer 
<laughs> after Christmas Day. <laughs> but it's so funny, like the Karen issue uh, goes even back to history where um, so many black men were lynched or because of, you know, somebody saying something that's, that wasn't true. A white woman, you know, threatening to do something or saying something. Um, and, 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 and it wasn't true. And like today, even with the video um, of the person in New York who recorded while this white woman's calling the police on him, like, like as black men, as black people, we have to always think about that. Like, I have to make sure that I don't do anything in the presence of white people that will threaten them or make them feel threatened. Because when I get to the court of law, usually they're going to take a white person's voice over mine. Yeah. No matter what really happens or what didn't happen. Um, you know, uh, so, I mean, even, even when we look at Emmett Till's situation, for those who don't know, go ahead and uh, Google that. I'm saying that for the recording. <laughs> for, uh, go ahead and look at Emmett Till's situation. Uh, dealing with a uh, a white woman, white woman, and um, it's 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 really it's really like some of these things like that might be privileges to you know be around people or say different things like for black people we just gotta think twice before we say because it, it literally could affect our lives right. and the lives of our children. And what's so funny is I'm really glad that you're doing this for students because when you look over the past with these movements, it's always been the youth. Mm. The youth have been the ones that have been out there. Martin Luther King was in his younger 20s when he was doing this, you know, like um, high schoolers, um, those who pe people that are young are really moving forward and really pushing forward. Um, you know, some people have said that it was the youth because they were uh, some people believe that the youth had uh, less responsibilities. Uh, you know, a, a black man or a black woman at the time, if they were to do something, they had to think about their kids, the safety of their families. If I go out to this protest and I get killed or go to jail, my kids aren't going to, you know, uh, different things. But really, like, the power is really in the youth. Like, you're in high People will listen to you more so than they'll listen to an older person. Because if you're fighting for justice, if you're fighting something for, for something, they feel like it's more pure. They feel like, oh, this person is serious about it. Like, this is really something I should look into. Um, so I just want to encourage the, the middle schoolers, the high schoolers, those going off to college and in college, like, you have a lot more power than you think. You really do. And when you are a Christian and you access and use that power for God, like, there's nothing you can't do. Like, literally, like, you got God on your side and people go listen to you. <laughs> what? It doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> but, uh, this, this is real talk. Um, just, you know, you have a lot of power. So be encouraged. You're feeling, you might be feeling uncomfortable. It's okay to feel uncomfortable when you're praying and asking God what to do, because that uncomfortability can turn into action and lead you into where God wants you to go. Awesome. Well, thanks so much guys again for being willing to have these conversations. And, and I know it's been enlightening, not just for our students, but for Molly and myself too. Um, I think it's really cool. There was, I was listening to Pastor Stephen Furtick's um, Sunday sermon from this last Sunday. And he said, he said, part of being able to stand together is to be able to sit together. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think this has been really, really helpful in that of, of helping us and our students and potentially our whole church and even the parents um, to be able to, to understand some more perspective. Um, 
yeah. So thanks so much you guys for, for coming, taking time out of your day. I know with everything going on, there's, there are plenty of things to be doing, but um, yeah, we appreciate you guys. And hopefully when the global pandemic stops or slows down, at least um, we can all get together and yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Thank you so much. Oh, thank yeah. you, thank so you so much, much. guys. Really, really it. appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, we can come visit there and maybe yeah. y'all come visit us. Yeah, we'd love to. Do some things yeah, together. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Totally. That'd be really cool. All right. Well, we will talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much, guys. Okay. No problem. Is it okay if I just say a quick prayer? I yeah, for yeah I was going to bring that um, up too. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I just wanted to say a quick prayer for you all because you're doing you, this. This might seem like a great idea to you all, but this is like really going to break barriers. Mm. And anytime like you do something that's going to, fight against the kingdom of the enemy. He really wants to do everything he can to stop the work that you're doing. Uh, so I just want to say a quick prayer uh, over you guys real quick, if that's all right. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Lord God, we just thank you for um, our brother, sister, John and Molly, God. We thank you, Lord, for letting them uh, decide to take on the call, Father God, to, to, to do what you place on their hearts and just simply talking and letting people know, Father God, ab about your grace, about your mercy, about your call for justice. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would bless them mightily for their stand and for them deciding to bring awareness, Father God. I ask in the name of Jesus that the, with the production, with the video, with making whatever needs to be done into, and even all those, Father God, that will hear, Lord, that nothing will be stopped that you want to go forward, Father God, that everything will go perfectly, Father God, from the creation, from the sharing, God, and that you will prepare the hearts of the people, Father God, that are going to see this and that you will get in. We curse the enemy any way he might try and bring lies or deception or bring anything into their minds. Let them hear from you, Father God. Let you speak to their hearts, Father God, as this video is played. Have your way. Again, bless John and Molly. You know the, the desires of their hearts. You know the things that they seek from you, God. Bless them mightily, God, even throughout this week, God. Show them that you care, that you love them, and that you are proud and grateful for what they're doing at this time. God, bless the entire Grace Point Church, Father God, the entire community. You know their situations, God, and ask that you would use by your spirit, Father God, the comforter to comfort all of them, to strengthen them, and Lord, just do mighty works within their church, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Send healing, deliverance, God, breakthroughs, and blessings upon Grace Point Church, Father God. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. I All said right. the name right, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you nailed it. <laughs> that would have been so embarrassing. <laughs> I would have just edited over with my own. <laughs> Bless great point. Church. Yeah. <laughs> right. Awesome. Thank All you, guys. Right. Thank, thank you, guys. you so much. Take care. Stay safe. You too. Thank awesome. Bye-bye.